Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. A little bit of a scrap in the neighborhood, or maybe somebody was messing with you. Kind of the way that you would kind of head off that bullying or that intimidation is to tell them how big your daddy was. Now, I don't know, you know, when I was a kid, my dad was six foot five and 250 pounds and could bench press 300 pounds. That was my perspective. May not have been reality. I don't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But that was my perspective. And nobody wanted to mess with my dad. And right now, you need to understand the God that you serve, amen, is bigger than the God of this. If God be for us. Some of you this week, the enemy has been pushing you around. You need to let the devil know right now, my, my God, my Father is bigger than the gods of this world. And if God be for me, it's time to stop letting the devil intimidate you and push you around with spirits of fear and anxiety and worry. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. One more time, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. We're so honored today. We're going to get ready to bring our minister to the pulpit. We're so honored today to have Brother Jermaine Irvin. And I'm going to say a few things just to introduce him so that we, when he gets up here, you don't have to wonder who he is and try to figure it out. All right, we don't have time to figure out whether or not we like the preacher. So I'm just going to tell you all the reasons you should like him so he gets up here and preaches. You just receive the word, all right? I told him yesterday, I said, there's no place I'd rather preach in the entire world than right here at Living Hope. And I meant that. This is the best place to preach. You all help a preacher preach. So I'm asking you all, don't make me look dumb, all right? When Brother Irvin gets up here and starts preaching, don't sit there and stare at him. I told him how much you all love preaching. So how many of you are going to make sure pastor's not a liar today? You're going to help. Amen. First of all, let me say the connection. His brother, Jer Brother Jermaine's brother, uh, Ray, is Brother James Wilson's manager. So he does all the promotion and scheduling and things of that nature. Not just for Brother Wilson, but for several other uh, apostolic recording artists as well. And so we kind of, I, I met Brother Jermaine through his brother. Uh, Brother Jermaine has served as the youth pastor at New Life Church in Birmingham, Alabama for eight years. Amen. Under Bishop Barry Sutton and Pastor Collins. Amen. So we're glad to have Brother Irvin all the way up from Birmingham. Amen. How many of you traveled a long way to get to church today? The preacher has all of the beat. He traveled further than anybody to be here today. He is married to one wife. Very important. He's been married for eight years. They have three kids. Listen to these names. These are royalty names. This is kind of aristocrat names. Just powerful. Stella J, Beckham Gray, and Brooklyn Dior. Those are beautiful names. So write those down. They've been the youth pastor. He is now evangelizing. And in addition to that, he is also an entrepreneur. And I'm praying that God will just release an entrepreneur spirit into this church. Now, entrepreneur to me is not just starting a new business. It's doing new things. 
And the Bible that I read tells me the God that I serve is always doing new things. Amen. He's making old paths into new paths. He's taking old hearts and making them new. Amen. The first business that he started and, and now owns is Bada Ding. Not Bada Bing, but Bada Ding. It is a paintless dent repair business. And uh, they've had, I think recently they had a hailstorm go through. So business is doing great right now. But that's his first business. He is also the founder and president of J. Irvin Collection, which is a custom clothier. And uh, I am going to be getting a custom-made suit. He's going to be helping me to get that. But here, we're going to give an opportunity to you men today, all right? So between 5.30 and 8 today, he's going to be here at the church this afternoon. I think he's got room for maybe three or four more appointments for fittings. They take about 45 minutes. If you would like a custom-made suit for much cheaper. Now, this is not an infomercial, all right? I'm just trying to give you an extra benefit that we don't normally get on a Sunday morning. If you would like a custom-made suit for, I promise you, much less than you're going to be able to get one uh, online or through other services. And so if you haven't seen Brother Wilson lately, Brother Irvin is the one that's been uh, making sure that Brother Wilson's looking good on all of his albums and tours. So he's going to help you. He's going to help you look good, all right? So but if you want to, see him at the service. He's only got three or four slots open. If you want to get a good-looking suit, look good. Your wife to say, honey, you look good. You need to see Brother Irvin, all right? So let's put all that to the side right now. Here's what's most important. This is the man of God for the hour. So I want us to raise our hands right now, and I want us to in it in advance, not not once I hear what he's going to preach. All right, that's picking and choosing. I don't want to wait till I find out if I like what he's got to say. As long as you're in the word, I receive. And I know he's going to be today. We receive the word of God. The Bible says of the good ground that it received the word with joy. Amen. It received the word and it brought forth fruit. So I want us to thank God right now. As Brother Irving comes, he's going to deliver us the word of God today. Somebody clap your hands to Jesus right now. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, oh God. We've come to magnify you all. Lift up your voice right now. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Did anybody come to give God praise? Did anybody come to lift up the name of Jesus on a Sunday morning? We lift you up, oh God. We praise you. We magnify you. We've come to have a move today. Praise God, praise God. I have come from a long way, and I did not come to play games this morning. This is God's house. This is God's kingdom. Somebody's going to be changed today. Somebody's going to be set free by the power of the Holy Ghost today. God's going to move in this house. If you receive that, you ought to lift up your hands right now, and you ought to tell God, God, I received the word before it's even preached today. Praise God. God's going to move in this house. If you would, turn in your Bibles, 2 Samuel chapter 23, 2 Samuel chapter 23. And while you're turning there, I want to say what an honor it is to be here. Um, I'm thankful for the Stadens. Anybody thankful for your leadership and your pastor? Praise God. Praise God. You know, this, this uh, I, I travel all over the country, and this doesn't just happen. You don't just get a crowd of people to show up on a Sunday morning. It's people that's been doing church for a long time and they don't have this type of crowd. This doesn't just happen. This takes good leadership, people that will follow after God. And if you're thankful for that, you ought to clap right now and thank God for good leadership in this house. 
Amen. Amen. I am a, 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 I don't get to travel alone too often. I'm usually with my family, my beautiful wife, Brianna. I think they got a picture of my family. All my kids, my wife, she's phenomenal. She's at our home church today, and she's dragging around all three of them, and they're running all over the place. So y'all pray for my wife this morning, and um, thankful for my family. Thankful for my family. I'm, I'm, I'm a blessed man today. I'm a blessed man. Um, glad to be here. Glad to, I'm honored to be standing in this pulpit today. And um, uh, uh, when he called me and, and asked me to come and preach, uh, this week, he, he asked me to do the youth class, and like he mentioned, I've been youth pastor for eight years, and that stopped on Friday night. Somebody say, oh, Friday night was my last day as youth pastor in Birmingham. It's a tough transition, but God is calling us to, to something different. It's a different ministry, and uh, it was so fitting when he called me last week. He had no clue. He asked me to teach the youth class, and I was so honored for that because that's what I've been spending this past eight years doing is pouring into young people, and I'll continue to do that. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to do that. Phenomenal class. We had a good time. I don't know if it was good for them. They had to endure it, but I had a good time. Amen. Let's get right into the Word of God. I got a word today. I got a word today. 2 Samuel chapter 23. If you would, turn in your Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 23. We'll begin reading. In verse 8, the Bible says, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Eznite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoahite, one of the three mighty men with David. When they defiled the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Harite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground. And defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. He stood in the middle, in the midst of the ground and defended it. Slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Just for a couple moments, I want to preach on this title. A defender of the ground. A defender of the ground. If you would, put your Bibles down. Let's pray. Stretch your hand towards this pulpit. Ask God that God would anoint this pulpit right now in Jesus' Everybody say in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A defender of the ground. 2 Samuel chapter 23 gives us some of David's last words. The chapter opens and says, now these be the last words of David, the man who we know as a mighty king. 
parting words from one of the greatest men who ever walked the face of the earth. And as David looks back over his life and begins to recount all that he was able to do and able to see, his memory could have taken him back to a day when he was just minding his business, just doing what he did, tending the sheep. And all of a sudden there came a man by the name of Samuel with a horn of oil in his hand, and that day he would be anointed king. He could have talked about what it was like to kill the lion. He could have talked about what it was like to kill the bear. His mind could have placed him back in a valley where there stood a giant by the name of Goliath that tormented his people. The place where he would slay that giant and his anointing and his power would become public. He could have went back to all the rendezvous on the backside of the hill with God. He no doubt could have spent hours upon hours singing all the songs that he was so blessed to have the ability to write. He could have got lost in all of his accomplishments, all of the wars that he won, all of the successes. After all, he was the author of the most quoted book, the book of the Psalms, The Giant Killer. Remember, Saul has slain his thousands, but David... Oh, David has slain his tens of thousands. But David, like most great leaders, didn't want to take the opportunity to highlight himself. But David chose to use some of his very last words to talk about his mighty men. A group of men who David raised up as pillars around the throne. Some 30 plus men who would ensure that the throne of David was stable. David trained them up in the arts and the exercises of war and set them as an example of conduct and of courage. Men who were instrumental to bring David to the crown and to settle and protect him in the throne. David was saying, I know that everyone would want to talk about all that I was able to accomplish, but these brave and mighty men were key to a lot of my success. 2 Samuel 23 begins to detail the mighty men. He divides the men into three ranks. We're going somewhere. Just ride with me. The first three who had done the greatest exploits. Adino who slew 800 men at once with his spear. Eleazar who smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And the Bible says that his hand claved to the sword. These men are at the very top of David's list of the mighty men. But today I want to talk about the third man mentioned in the text. The Bible says that the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils or beans. The Bible says that the people ran away from the Philistines. This meaningless, this small, this insignificant piece of ground, Shama, what are you doing? You're wasting all of your time on this small piece of ground, this bean field. You're outnumbered. You need to just follow after the crowd. You need to just let them have it. You can be doing so many other things. It's not even worth anything. But Shama said, I know it seems small to you, but God gave it to me, and I'm going to stand up with God by my side. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I've got to stand up and defend the ground today. He said, it's small to you, but this is mine, and I'm going to defend it. Scripture leaves out the details, but I believe that this was a continual effort for him. Day in and day out, he made the decision to either follow after the crowd or spend his time defending the crown. In the face of the Philistines, all by himself, he would be ready to fight for this ground. 
He would set himself in the middle of the ground, and we use the idiom all the time. You need to stand your ground. To stand your ground means to brace yourself and maintain your position during or when anticipating attack, or to refuse to yield, to refuse to compromise, or to refuse to be belittled. And after everybody else left, that's exactly what he did. In spite of what you were doing, Shama said, you're going to find me in this field right now. Follow after everybody else. Everybody else ran away. Everybody else said, this ground is not worth fighting for. But Shama stood in the middle of the ground, and he said, with God on my side, all by myself, I'm going to stand here and defend this that God has given me. I need somebody on a Sunday morning to get an attitude right now and say, not on my watch, devil. God gave me this ground. I'm going to defend it. In spite of what everybody else did, he was a defender of the ground. I come to preach today. We need a defender of the ground to rise up in this house. Right now, you need to make up in your mind. I don't care what nobody else is doing, but with God by my side, I can do. Don't let him run by himself. Don't let him run by himself. I feel like preaching this morning. Is that all right? He was a defender of the ground. He said, I'm not backing up. I won't compromise. I shall not be moved. This ground is worth defending. And I believe in 2021, there's still some ground worth defending. Does anybody believe that? We're going to talk about it today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not corner but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I think the first ground that we need to defend is the ground of your mind. It is the control center and the base of operations for all that we are, for all that we see, for all that we believe, and for all that we do. The first ground that the enemy is going to try to take is he's going to try to take root in your mind. If the enemy can get here, the whole battle is lost. That's why he said, you need the helmet of salvation. Romans chapter 12 and 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, what is that acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God. So the first thing that God wants to do, saint of God, when you step foot in an apostolic church is God wants to give you his spirit so that you can have a renewed mind so that you don't think like you used to. My, come on, somebody. So you don't think like you used to think. And so you don't act like you used to act. And so you don't go where you used to go. Yeah. 
He says, so that you may be able to prove what is that good and what is acceptable and what is the perfect will of God. So watch this. God gives us the power to identify when things are encroaching on my ground. And when you get full of the spirit, you're able to decipher what things should stay and what things need to go. And you start taking control when you get the spirit of God. That's why you need to get the Holy Ghost. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, today is your day. If you're here today and you've never received the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues, you've come to the right place. I believe everybody in this house needs to leave here filled up with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. So this is what happens when you get the spirit. You start taking control and you start saying crazy things like doubt, you've got to go. Fear, you've got to leave. Unforgiveness, there's no place for you here. Racism, you got to get up out of here. I got to defend this ground that God has given And then you get a little more radical. You start saying stuff like, I can't listen to that anymore. I, I just can't watch that anymore. It's, there's some places that, that I used to go that I can't go anymore. I got to defend this ground. This ground is worth defending. Somebody say amen in the house. See, you got to get an attitude about this ground. You got to get fed up in your spirit with the devil messing with you. I come to preach to somebody today. You got to get fed up with getting smacked around by the enemy and let him take root in the mind that God had given you. comes a point in time when you get smacked around one too many times. We're going to get some people fighting back today. We're going to get some people that start taking control of your mind. The devil has taken residence in your mind and your thoughts for too long. But God sent me here today to set somebody free. My wife said, when you preach, you look so mad. I'm mad at the devil today. I'm mad that somebody's being locked up for year after year after year. But today, today is the day that everything changes. Can I talk about the mind for a while? Y'all can sit down. You pass the teacher hat real quick. One doctor said it this way. He said the first seven years is the, the programming or the training of a child. And he talks about the formative years of a child and how children pick up some of the most things that they'll learn in their life in the first seven years. And these are the formative years, and this is their, their framing of how they're going to think and how they are, they're going to be. And so... Right now, I've got these three kids, and I'm watching them every single day. And what they want to do, our custom every night, is we sit around the table, we hold hands, and we pray over the food. <laughs> but now everybody's got to pray, because after Daddy gets done praying, then it's my turn. 
and it's my turn. And we go around in a big circle praying, and everybody praying for the food. So if you want, you want to eat clean food, you can come to my house. <laughs> that food sanctified and purified. And this is, this is what they do, and we don't even have to pump it anymore because this is it's habitual. They have learned the pattern, and that's what happens with the mind is the mind starts to learn patterns. So this first seven years is an important time, and th- he talks about how the, the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor, and he talks about how this seven years, the only way to affect the seven years is by new information. Otherwise, you'll repeat seven year after seven year after seven year. That's why you go to school. And so it's information, it's books, it's the, the places we go, it's the people we meet, and it's the books we read that will determine where you'll be in five years. And so, and so in, this, in this process, he talks about how, why the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor. But I think about this concept, and I think about growing up. And growing up uh, as, a, as a kid, we didn't have a lot of money. We was, we was, uh, we was living in a rough situation. It was, we lived in the hood. We lived in the projects. And me and my two brothers, we were all in this, this one bedroom that was, that was really small, and we were crammed in, and we had this beat-up car. But I remember my mom, she had vision beyond her years. And what she would do is she would throw us all in that little raggedy car, and she would drive us to the best parts of town. And she would drive us in that little car that was beat up and she would say, baby, I know we're living in the mess that we're living in right now, but we ain't always going to be there. God's going to bring us out of this mess. And she had so much foresight, and, 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 and we were in the situation, but she was looking beyond where we were, and that's so important. You've got to start looking beyond the place that you're standing. God's got bigger for your life. And what she was doing is she was, she was expanding our minds because exposure equals expansion. And as she begins to expand us, we would go out and she would say things like, I know, I know, baby, that we're living where we're living. And I'm not happy about that. But one day you're going to grow up and I'm going to show you that there's more than this place. That I know we live here, and I was thinking about it the other day. She probably said, this hood is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And I remember those times when we would get in a car and we would drive. She'll turn on that gospel music, and she'll start singing songs unto the Lord in her situation. That's why you got to learn how to praise God right where you are. Because what happens when you begin to praise God is you get elevated and you start to see a little bit higher. And so growing up, like I said, we didn't really have a lot. So if we were going to travel, we were were going out of town, you can hang up staying at a hotel. You going to somebody's house. If If they don't live in that city, we ain't going there. Scratch that off your list. Sounds like a nice plan, but we ain't going there. Our cousin's in Detroit, so we're going to go to Detroit. And we didn't stay in hotels. And so, like, for the first 15 years or 13 years before I got in youth group, I ain't really staying in hotels. My kids are four, two, and four months. They stayed in more hotels than I did in the first 20 years of my life. 
And so I remember when I started to drive and I got just a little bit of, little bit of liberty to, to leave. We live in Birmingham and Nashville's about three hours away. Atlanta's like two hours away. So we would escape. The, the confounds and the barbara of Birmingham, and we would step beyond a little bit to cities that were a little bit bigger and a little bit more advanced. And I remember going to Nashville, and I stumbled upon the Opry Land Hotel. Has anybody ever been there? So the Opry Land Hotel, if you've never been, you got to go. So I'm 16 years old, and I'm walking through the Opry Land Hotel. Stay with me. We're we, we, we going somewhere. I'm walking through the Opera Land Hotel, and they got bodies of water. I'm telling you, you can get on a boat inside the hotel. They got uh, rides, roller coasters, all this type of stuff. So I'm walking around, and my mind is just blown. But, but he said the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor if you don't get new information. And so I'm walking through, and you know what I see? I see five- and six-year-old kids walking through the Opry, Mills, Opry Land Hotel on their cell phones. And I'm looking at them like, you don't understand what we're seeing right now. What's wrong with you? Get off your phone. You need to pay attention to what's happening. But what you got to understand is that wasn't their first time to be there. So it's mindset and it's stretching yourself. It's like when my mom was taking us to those neighborhoods. What she was doing that I didn't understand at the time is she was taking a small mind and she was stretching it out just a little bit more. She was telling you there's more beyond the place that you're standing. And so I realized these kids, this is not a big deal to them. This is basic to them. And I'm going there. And I remember when I turned about 18, had enough money in my pocket. I booked a room there just because I could. <laughs> like, where you going? I'm going to Nashville. For what? I just want to stay in that hotel. <laughs> and I remember December, I was preaching a revival in Nashville. Life is so full circle. Because what I did after I got done preaching is I packed up my little family in that, in that truck that we drive. And I grabbed him by the hand, and it was Christmas time. It's beautiful at Christmas time at Opryland Hotel. And I dragged my babies in that hotel, and at four, and at two, and at, at, at uh, she wasn't even born yet. But at these small ages, we were walking through this hotel, and they were seeing what I saw when I was 16 years old. Exposure equals expansion. The mind is such a powerful place. I'm here to tell you, I told you all of that to tell you this, that God has got more than where you are right now. God has got bigger than your imagination. God has got bigger than where you're standing. There's more to the kingdom of God. There's more to the plan of God. God has got something more for your life. You got to step out. You got to step outside of the confines of how it's always been. You got to step outside of the hood that you grew up in and the trailer park that you grew up in. And you got to get beyond it and say, God, what more do you have for my life? That's why you come to the house of God. And that's why you say, Pastor Staden, preach the word to me. Preach the word to me. Preach the word to me. And I started applying biblical principle in 
my pastor started pouring into, into me, and he started teaching me the word. And I would stand here as a young man, and I would listen to him preach. And oftentimes, he was preaching way above my head. But he gave me another perspective to see of that I can go beyond where I've always been. And if people have never preached in my family, I can preach the gospel. And if people have never graduated in my family, I can graduate. And I can start a business just because God is on my side. So the first thing he does with the mind is he teaches you right from wrong. That's pretty elementary and simple. But when you're able to know right from wrong, you're able to know what is acceptable, what is the perfect will of God. And then what he does is he changes your perspective. He changes how you see the world. And the third thing that he does is he opens up all of the possibilities that could be. Sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes you just need mama to put you in the car and show you that there's more. Sometimes you just need somebody to tell you something that's above your head to give you something to reach for. Sometimes. Because all you got to do is be exposed to it. That's why we come to the house of God. So that pastor can preach the principles of the word of God to us. And we can see that there's more than where I'm standing. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but I'm here to tell somebody in this house, there's more than where you are. God is not, God is not just going to keep you here. You're here for a season, but you're just passing through. God's got bigger for everybody under the sound of my voice. Don't get complacent, saying to God. Let God work. Let God move. That's why David said, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, my foot had well not slipped, but I had to get back to the house of God. That's why you come to the house. You come to the house so that the preaching of the word of God can build your faith and paint you a picture of what your God can do. He opened up the Red Sea. When you start to see those things, you realize that God can handle anything in my life. So he starts to open up the possibilities of what could be, and that's a, that's a difficult thing. That's a difficult thing because it's difficult to go places that you've never been. It's difficult to step in waters that you can't control because we like control. I know I do. I want to drive. I want to be in control. But when God is in control and when God takes the wheel and when God says, come on over here. I just want to show you something. I want to show you that I am bigger than your last name. I am bigger than that neighborhood that you come out of. I'm bigger than your family dysfunction. I'm bigger than your anxiety. I'm bigger than your depression. I'm bigger. This mountain range called the Rock of Gibraltar. Anybody ever heard of that? Back then, they thought it was the end of the world. They thought the earth was flat. So they thought, if, if, I, if, I, if I step past that, then I'm going to fall off the face of the earth. They put a little sign up that said, New Plus Ultra. And this sign, New Plus Ultra, simply said, stop. Don't go any further. So one day, guys got to walking around that. And they looked at this sign and they said, you know what, we're going to see what's over here. 
and they took one step beyond the sign. And they realized that the earth didn't really end here. So they came back and they said, look, y'all need to change y'all sign. That's false advertisement. You need to change your sign to plus ultra, which means there is something beyond. I'm here to preach to somebody right now that there is something beyond the place that you're standing. I know, I know, I know, I know you've been going here and no further. And you've been going here and no further. But today, today, you're going to walk to the next dimension. You're going to walk to the next level. There is more beyond. You got to be able to look past your family dysfunction. Preaching from experience. You got you to gotta be able to look past where you come from. You got to be able to look past the color of your skin. You got to be able to look past all of that. God is in control and God's got a purpose and a destiny for your life. Yeah. Clap your hands if you hear what I'm preaching today. I want to tell somebody in this house, you've been letting the devil live here too long. It's time to get your mind back. You got to get the devil out of your mind. You got to tell him, there's no place for you here. God's going to take control of my thoughts. God's going to take control of my mind. Because the devil, all he's looking for is an inch. That's why the Bible says, give no place to the devil. And what happens is people allow the devil a foothold. And the thing about the devil is that he's about taking ground too. And if you give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. And when the devil starts tormenting your mind, it's difficult for you to ascend and achieve and go and do all the things that God has called you to do. That's why the devil's just happy standing right outside that door. When you walk out of church and it's preaching, somebody's preaching stuff like this, and you walk out and the devil saying, that's not for you. Nope, nope, you're going to get back in your car and you're going to subscribe to what I've been giving you. And you're not going to be able to achieve. You're not going to be able to ascend. You're not going to be able to do anything that the preacher was talking about. But the devil is a liar. He's the father of lies and there's no truth in him. That's why today you got to make a declaration that says you're going to find me defending the ground of my mind. You're going to find me taking control, taking control of my thoughts, taking control of my emotions. I got to move. I got to move. got to move. Somebody said it this way. Watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character for it becomes your destiny. We've got more ground to defend. Somebody say amen. amen. We got to defend the ground of our family. God has put some precious things in your hand and it's ground. I believe it's ground worth defending. The trick of the enemy is to tell you that as long as you provide for them that you can rest You've done your part. You put food on the table. You put clothes on their back. You put a roof over their head. But sir, ma'am, let me remind you today that you've got a responsibility to defend the ground. There is a war. There's a war happening in the spirit on behalf of your family. The enemy, he wants your family. He's going to try to do everything that he can to take your children. He's going to try to do everything that he can to take... 
but I need somebody to stand up. I need a dad to stand up and say, I'm going to defend the ground. I need a mama to stand up. Oh, for a mother in Zion to stand up and say, you're going to find me defending the ground. You can't have my family. You can't have my ministry. You can't have my breakthrough. You can't have my kids. But the truth of the matter is you have to be persuaded. You got to be convinced. You got to be persuaded that this is a fight worth fighting. Watch this. David, David goes down to the battle. His brothers are there with Goliath. And, and 80 times, the Bible says two times a day, day and, and night, that Goliath tormented the people. 80 times they heard his voice. And David trolls down to the battle. And he hears it one time. And he says these words. Is there not a cause? You got to be... You got to be persuaded that this is a fight worth fighting. You got to be convinced that this is a fight worth fighting. Hear me. The brothers and the army. Hear me. The armies of Saul. These are warriors. They know how to fight. Saul is a warrior. He knows how to fight. But guess what? Saul, he wasn't persuaded that this was a fight worth fighting. It took David one time. He heard that voice one time. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would deny the armies of the living God? Mind the book. I'm in the word. And he says, is there not a cause? In other words, this is a fight worth fighting. What are you standing around for? We've got to defend this ground. He said, my family's at stake. Israel's at stake. Everything is at stake. This is a fight. This is your life. Hear me today. They can pray for you as much as they can, and they will. But at some point, you got to stand up in the house of God, understanding that you serve the God that they serve, and you can pray on your behalf. Come on, somebody. You're sending your kids into a school where school shootings are happening on the regular. You're sending your kids into a world. You've got to gird them with prayer. You've got to you got to get on your face and fast for your kids. you got to pray, God, protect my babies. Satan, you can't have my family. You can't have my family. In the Old Testament, it looked a little bit different. Bible says that Noah built an ark for the saving of his house. And it looked a little bit different than what we have to do now. And his kids probably looking around at everybody else who were living just a normal life. Wondering, Dad, what are we going to do today? We're going to build a boat. Come on, Dad. Everybody's hanging out. Everybody's doing something different. Can we just take some days off, Dad? No, sir. We're going to build this boat. There's rain coming. The judgment of God is coming. And I got to protect my family. And with every blow. He was defending the ground. He was defending the ground that God had given him. So you got to learn how to take care of the things that God put in your care. Oftentimes we try to get so far out and control everything else that we miss what God is really calling us to. 
I'm a dad before I'm a preacher. I'm a husband before I'm a preacher. And I got to wake up in the morning and thank God that he gave me something to say to you guys. But at the beginning, I got to cover my family. God, cover my children. God. Children of Israel, the death angel is about to pass through. All you got to do is just wipe the, kill the, kill the animal, wipe the blood over the doorpost. That's all you got to do. You look crazy. Because you're going to do some stuff that make you look like a fool sometimes. But when you're defending ground, it don't matter who agrees with it. We're not, we not looking for consensus. We're looking for people that will say, this is what God told me to do. And you're going to find me with every swipe. With every swipe. You can't have my family. You can't have my children. This all right? I got time. I don't know what time it is. Help me. I remember growing up, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was in the church, and we had this war and this tension in my home because dad will come home drunk, but mama will be praying and desperately trying to grab her three boys to the church. And I'll never forget one day when my dad said, you know what, I'm tired of living the way that I'm living. And I remember him coming into a service with an atmosphere just like this and lifting up his hands and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and getting baptized in Jesus' name. And life was never the same. Because beforehand, you know, I could kind of do what I wanted to do because dad was doing what he wanted to do. So, son, whatever you, whatever you feel, just, just whatever you want to do, son. And my mom was desperately trying to grab us and drag us to church. And after he received the Holy Ghost, he got baptized. Everything changed. He stopped going to places that he used to go. He stopped doing the things that he used to do. He stopped listening to the stuff that he was listening to. And I'll never forget when he got dead serious about the ground of his family. He came in the house and he said, son, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, daddy, look, you made your decision, but I'm still going to live my life. He like, no, you're going to do whatever I tell you to do. <laughs> We ain't watching that no more. We're not going here anymore. And I was playing football and basketball, and I thought, bro, I was going to the league. I'm telling you, 5'9". Well, back then, I was probably 4'8". <laughs> I was going to make it. He says, God's got bigger for you. And that's difficult. He would try to tell his friends to come to church, and they would try to drag him back into the world. But let me tell you something. When you start defending ground, not everybody's going to ride with you. When you start defending ground, sometimes it's a lonely road. When you start making decisions to come out of the mess that you've always been in, there are people that are going to try to drag you back to where you were. But That's why you got to get an attitude that says, look, man, with God all by myself, greater is he that is within me than he that it is in the world. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to defend the ground. I'm going to do everything that I can do in order to make it, in order to make it, in order to make it. 
And when he started making decisions like that, people walked away. And family walked away. And they didn't understand. Because when you defend ground, not everybody's going to get it. They're used to seeing you in the mess that you've been living in. And it's, isn't it crazy that people would, would just be content with how you've been wrecking your life. That's when you know you need to get some new friends to hang around. That's when you know you got to get to the church house and you got to get some friends and you got to link up with somebody in the house of God. Because here's what happens. When you start defending ground, then you'll find other people that are interested in defending ground. And now I'm not all by myself, but we're starting to take some ground. And this thing is starting to multiply. Amen. And he started making these decisions. And he started cutting off here and cutting off here. And saying, we, I know we've done that, but we ain't doing that no more. We, we ain't going to look at that anymore. We're not going to listen to that anymore. And in my home, it was so much tension that we had gospel music. I can tell. I can tell who was driving on road trips. If gospel music was playing, that meant my mom was driving. If Al Green and the Isley Brothers was playing, my daddy was driving the car. And there was so much tension. So much tension. But I remember when we all got on one accord. And we came to a service just like this, that everything began to change. I'm standing here today because a daddy got up and said, I got to defend the ground of my family. Defending ground looks like a mother on her knees praying earnestly for her children. It looks like a dad saying, son, come here, let me lay my hands on you before you walk out of this house. That's what defending ground looks like. It looks like bringing your children to the house of God. And young person, I know you don't understand it now. I didn't understand it either, but now I can see clearly now. I thank God for a mom and a dad that'll stand up in spite of adversity, in spite of everybody else walking away and saying, this is our crown and we're going to defend it. This is my family and I'm going to defend it. These are my children. I'm almost done preaching. Young people, you got ground to defend. We live in a we live in a bored generation, right? And oftentimes, young people use social media to remedy their boredom. And we see stuff like, ask me a question, I'm bored. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, y'all saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost in here. <laughs> ask me a question, I'm bored. Say something, I'm bored. I'm going to say something right here. I'm going to type this in that little chat box underneath your say something. And I'm going to say that the devil's not bored because he's busy defending ground that you won't defend. But all it takes is somebody to get an attitude and say, he not, he's not taking any more of this ground. I'm here to tell a young person, the devil... Get my youth pastor head out again. The devil's playing for keeps, and he ain't playing fair. And he wants your soul. He wants your sanity. He wants your purity. He wants everything that you have to offer to the kingdom of God. 
but I need somebody, a young person in this house right now, under the sound of my voice, that says, not today, Satan. You ain't taking my heart. You got to get out of here. I'm going to defend this ground that God has given me. They come to the music. I'm done preaching. Six-year-old little girl, six years old, was going to church with her mom and with her sister, her dad, drug addict. Dad was a drug addict and had a, had a terrible car accident. And so that her dad was not a real dad because he was never around. Lost his leg, lost his eye, lost a lot of stuff in that accident and never was able to be a father that he should have been. So mama was dragging the baby to church, six-year-old girl. Her and her, her sister. And her sister was older and they were going to the house of God together and they living for God in spite of the adversity and at six years old her mom walks out on the church she backslides she's I'm not doing this anymore she walks away from the church her and her sister they get together and they make a pact and they say listen her sister's about uh, five years older than her and they, they come together these two young girls and they say we're going to stay no matter what they're going to church together and all of a sudden she's eight years old now that 13 year old sister said you know what I'm done living like this walked away from the church you would think all the family's gone everybody left everybody walked away from the house of God the most logical thing for me to do is just follow after my family defending ground starts early she went to the pastor she said pastor I know it's going to be a huge inconvenience on you I just want to be at the church 30 minute drive to pick her up and a 30 minute drive back pastor picked up that little girl every Sunday morning every Sunday night and every Wednesday night start singing in the choir Start just, just, just engulfing herself into church, and her world around her was just going crazy. She said, "You know what? I just want to be in church. I just want to live for God. I just want to do the right thing." Mom, you put this in me, and I believe that it's the right way. I'm gonna go to the house of God today. That girl is my wife. We've got three beautiful children, and we're doing ministry all over the country because one kid, you're not too young. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're not too young. Go ahead and get involved in the work of God. Go ahead and say, God, if you can use anything, just like we were talking about in class today, you're not just a number, but God's going to use you in an unprecedented way. Right now, if you'll stand with me all over this building. God's going to raise up some defenders of the ground today. God's going to use you in an unprecedented way. 
God's going to change your life if you make a declaration today. Right now, I want somebody that'll come around the front and make a declaration that'll say, God, you're going to find me defending the ground. God, I'll defend the ground of my mind. God, I'll defend the ground of my family. God, I'll defend the ground of my life. God, if you can use anything, you can use me. God, here I am. Somebody come and lift up your hands and go ahead and cry out to God right now. He's in this house. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.